In just a moment, I'm going to be reading from Ezekiel, the prophet, chapter 34. Uh, This morning, we are concluding our stewardship series as we've been thinking together about the daily choice of gratitude and how grateful people inevitably are generous people and generous people are inevitably grateful people that the, there's a correlation there that is never missed and so uh, we've been thinking about gratitude which seems to be at the root of all of our uh, generous stewardship of gifts and talents and money and every other thing so in just a moment I'll be reading from Ezekiel 34 beginning in verse 23 and uh, right now I'd like for us to bow our heads together for a time of meditation and reflection perhaps just to pause on the blessings of this worship, the blessings of this past week, the blessings of this past year. And after a time of meditation, I'll lead us. Now thank we all our God for all of life's precious gifts. And loving Heavenly Father, we are embarrassed that we don't thank you more. We are frankly embarrassed that we have to set aside a national day to remind ourselves to give thanks and embarrass that we do not count our blessings regularly as we ought. We pray you'll forgive us for that arrogance and that oversight. Teach us daily how to be grateful people. Remembering today the fact that uh, holidays are two-edged swords for people who've experienced the loss of loved ones. So we pray special comfort to those who find holidays painful because of grief or because of financial constraints or personal situations. We pray that we might find our celebration in you, our source of joy and happiness. We pray for those in our community who are enslaved to whatever addiction, to those who are broken by life's load, to those who are discouraged, to those who are sin-sick, and who are far away from you. We pray, dear God, that you might today bless those who are serving in the armed forces, bless them and their families during holiday season while they are apart. Give them strength and safety as they protect our nation. And we pray for peace in our world. We pray for an end to violence. We pray for those who have suffered at the hand of terrorism recently in Egypt for their families. We pray for all who are hungry and homeless today, struggling with life's needs. And so today we pray that you might give us your Spirit's direction, that the energy of your life-giving Holy Spirit may be not only in this time of uh, teaching and study and receiving your word, but in a way that would fill us and strengthen us for a week of service. And we pray that the satisfying rule and reign of Jesus Christ our King might be sufficient for our deepest needs. And we pray in His wonderful name. Amen. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 23, and if you're able, would you stand please as I read God's word aloud. Ezekiel 34, 23 and following, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild animals from the land. 
so that they may live in the wild and sleep in the woods securely. I will make them and the region around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase. They shall be secure on their soil, and they shall know that I am the Lord, that I break the bars of their yoke and save them from the hands of those who enslave them. They shall no more be plunder for the nations, nor shall the animals of the land devour them. They shall live in safety, and no one shall make them afraid. I will provide for them a splendid vegetation, so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land, and no longer suffer the insults of the nations. They shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, says the Lord God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, early this past week, uh, I spent some time in the morning reflecting on this passage of Scripture and doing some background study to prepare for this message. And I started reflecting on the, the theme of this uh, four-week series, Daily Choosing Gratitude, and the theme of this morning's sermon, Daily Counting Our Blessings. And I came to the realization there at my desk in the office, you know, it's my desire to challenge my people on Sunday morning to intentionally count our blessings more and complain less. And it's my desire this coming Sunday to let the Holy Spirit teach me to count my blessings daily more intentionally and complain less. I left there and met Janet for lunch at a restaurant and... uh, We both had deadlines after lunch, and they lost our order. Uh, And when they brought it, Janet's sandwich was not what she ordered. Now, she didn't complain, but I started getting fidgety. And I started grousing to her. And I started feeling peevish. And then I remembered what I'd been studying all morning long. And I was embarrassed. Never mind all the blessings surrounding me. Her sandwich wasn't right. Never mind the fact that I had enough to eat that day, had money to buy the food, had a wonderful wife sitting across the table from me. Never mind that I live in a free country where I can go where I please. And never mind all the blessings around me. And never mind the fact that in the world today, there are more hungry hungry people than the combined populations of the United States, Canada, and the European Union. And here I am with plenty, but because a sandwich isn't right and it's taking a little too long, I complain. What is it about us that makes us feel so entitled that we so quickly forget to be grateful and to daily count our blessings? You know, brain research has revealed to us that we are genetically programmed 
toward a negative focus. It's in our hard wiring, probably for survival of the species' sake, that we have to be uh, constantly watching for predators and for danger. And you can understand in early civilizations how important that would be. But brain research has revealed that we are at a ratio of 5 to 1 more negatively disposed than positively in our responses of fear and complaint and seeing the glass half empty instead of half full. At a ratio of 5 to 1, we are more negative than positive. That's just hardwired into us. Now, we can rewire, we can learn other habits and disciplines, but it takes intentionality. It takes practice. I mean, think about how negatively your life is oriented. My life is oriented. If you work at a job, you probably work at a job where somebody said, we have hired you to solve problems. We've hired you to fix things. So that even our work becomes negatively focused. I don't even have time or desire to go into the political realm of our nation today where everything is negative about the other candidate or the other party or the other point of view. And we just swim in this complaint culture. We just live in this muck and mire of negativity. Even in our relationships, you have a new friend. It's exciting, it's nice, and then over time, little irritating habits begin to crop up and you start focusing on them. Think about in a marriage relationship, how over time we stop thinking about all the reasons we love that person and we start focusing on the things that irritate us. Think about self-esteem, how you look in the mirror in the morning and, and instead of giving thanks, start looking at all the things you don't like about yourself. It takes a lot of energy to be that negative, folks. It is energy sucking to be that negative. And that's the way we live our lives. And God has called us to a different, a different way, a different drumbeat. And it's surprising how very current Ezekiel's message is because Ezekiel was speaking to a nation that had every right in the world to be negative. I mean, there was just not much going right. Their temple had been destroyed. The the Hebrew people had come into that land under Joshua, you remember, and they'd settled that land and they had uh, lived as a confederation and then they had kings for hundreds of years. And then through disobedience, they were punished and God simply allowed consequences to play out. Their temple was destroyed. They were literally picked up and carried away into a land of captivity. Their land was overrun and burned. Every reason in the world to be negative. And in the midst of that ugliness, Ezekiel calls them to look at the future. Ezekiel calls them to look at what God is doing in the future. And 
there's so many rich verses, and Karen did a great job with the graphics and the, the scripture this morning in children's time. There is that promise of peace and security. And as we go through this list, think how many of these things for which we should be daily grateful. Peace and security will come someday, he says. Timely rains, bumper crops, adequate food for everybody, verses 26 through 28. Personal freedom, the eradication of slavery, verse 27. Ezekiel's calling them to a more positive vision of what God is doing in their lives and can do in their world. And as we sort of wrap up this series and as we think about the daily challenge of counting our blessings, I want to think with you about four simple takeaways that you can take home with you and work on uh, as we think about learning to daily count our blessings. I'm going to show you these four on the screen and uh, leave them up there for the rest of the sermon. So if you're a note taker, you have lots of time. Uh, This isn't rocket science. This is just practical Christian discipleship. And the first is practice giving thanks. Don't wait for a feeling. Gratitude is not an emotion. Genuine thanksgiving as a lifestyle is not an emotion. Somebody said one time, there are only two times to give thanks. The first is when you feel like it. And the second is when you don't feel like it. If you wait until you feel like it, you'll rarely give thanks. You'll always complain. We give thanks until we are grateful, not when we are grateful. Do you see the difference? We don't simply give thanks when we are grateful. We keep giving thanks until the feeling of gratitude comes. It's a discipline. It's a habit. It's a choice. And it's not easy. Art Simon, who founded Bread for the World, an organization committed to eradicating hunger, uh, he wrote a book and he talked about how gratitude actually, if practiced, leads to more contentment. And the opposite is true. Ingratitude, when practiced, leads to more discontent. Ingratitude leads to more complaining, more negativity, more whining, more coveting, more greed. So that these habits really do make a difference. These spiritual disciplines of gratitude really do matter. The second takeaway is to discover how gratitude can enrich your life in other areas. I'm convinced that grateful people, people who practice daily counting blessings, are happier people, more joyous people. And here's a hint, they're more pleasant to be around. Did I say that nicely? I think you're listening. This is so cool. Full of turkey and still listening. Here's a beautiful thought that's not original with me. Most Thanksgiving has us looking back at past, ble- past blessings. And that's, and that's as it should be. Looking at past blessings can inform my right now. When I rehearse past blessings, that helps me be in the moment 
for today's gifts, I'm more likely to receive the gift of today knowing that I may be living in some wonderful blessings that I need to count right now based on past history of how God has worked in my life. So by looking at past blessings, I am enriched by my today, but I'm also enriched by and I'm changed as how I look at the future because of my practice of gratitude. The future can actually be framed differently. We can actually see new possibilities for the future when we learn to give thanks today. I don't know if you noticed, but most Bible passages, when they instruct us to be thankful, always say, look back and therefore give thanks. Ezekiel does the opposite. He says, I want you to look at your future. I want you to look at all God is going to do. And then I want you to give thanks. Because learning to be thankful actually can reframe our future. It can help us see new possibilities so we live with less fear, less complaining, and more openness to the Spirit's working. So, discover how gratitude can enrich your life. Number three, practice humility. I'm convinced that Israel's problem is America's problem, is my problem, is your problem. We get to the point to where we think we deserve these blessings. We think of them less as gifts and more as entitlements. We think of them as things we have earned instead of just rejoicing in the bounty of God's sheer grace. I have looked high and low, and I can find no better illustration of this truth than a very old movie starring Jimmy Stewart. And if this dates me, so be it. It's a great movie, Shenandoah. It's set in the Civil War era, and the character of Jimmy Stewart is sitting down with his family to a generously laden table for a meal. And I want you to listen to his prayer. And if you look this up on YouTube, it is known as the prayer of unthanksgiving. And I wish I could do a Jimmy Stewart impersonation, but I can't. Here's his prayer. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here if we, and we wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you just the same anyway for this food we're about to eat. Amen. You know what's so funny about that? That's really the subtext of a lot of our our mentality and a lot of our praying. Lord, I'm supposed to thank you for this, but I really did it myself. The distance from pride to gratitude is an important journey. The distance from pride, I did it all myself, to brokenness and an awareness of God's mercy and gratitude. That's an important journey. And I'm convinced that there are some of us who have not yet trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because we're still trying to figure out a way to save ourselves. Because we'd still like to take pride that we fixed our own life. 
when in reality we need to fall on God's mercy. So we practice giving thanks. We don't wait for a feeling. We discover how gratitude can enrich other areas of our lives. We practice humility. And number four, we learn to trust the Good Shepherd. There's a subtle shift in verses 23 and 24 that you might miss if you didn't study the Bible a little bit. Israel, Judah as a nation was deeply disappointed in all of her kings except for a few. She was deeply disappointed in the political leaders of the era. And there's a subtle demotion that happens of the kings. In verses 23 and 24, God says, I'm going to take over. None of the kings have been able to do it right. I'm going to take over, and the kings will now be called princes. They've been demoted from king to prince. I'm going to be the king. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to be your shepherd. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do what a king is supposed to do. And you know, gratitude comes when we realize that no human leader can ever satisfy the deepest needs of our soul. That no human being, no human relationship can satisfy the deepest needs of our soul. That no earthly possession, no matter how much money we have, can satisfy the deepest needs of our soul. Only God can meet the deepest needs of our soul. That's when we learn to practice gratitude. And stop counting on everybody else and everything else to make us happy. And you know, Jesus knew his Bible. The only Bible he had was the Old Testament because he was living in the New Testament. It hadn't been written yet. He knew his Bible, and I'm convinced he knew this passage when Ezekiel said, as speaking for God, I will be your shepherd, I will tend you, I will care for you, I will protect you, I will meet every need. And it is with great study and thought that Jesus stood up in John chapter 10 and said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my name and I know their voices. I lay down my life for my sheep and I will hold my sheep and no one and nothing will pluck them out of my hands. Gratitude comes when we get connected to that great shepherd. When we trust him with every part of our lives. And gratitude comes and the ability to daily count our blessings when we realize no matter what we are going through. God, through Jesus Christ, is an abiding presence. No matter what we are going through, God is our abiding presence and we may daily count our blessings. Let's bow together for prayer. Our loving God, open our hearts to the practice of gratitude and open our hearts now in this response time to the moving of your spirit for your constant presence. 
Amen.